Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Welcome. Welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, Prognosticators podcast, PD Light podcast, Papers podcast, Presidential podcast, the Pundits podcast, the only Flyers podcast. It's an old school show today. It's just me and the man who you can see on screen if you're watching on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. That's Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Ant San Philly. How you doing there, beautiful? Oh, it's good to see you again, Russell. It's been a, it's been been a, a while. Day been a day or two right huh a week week or so yeah i've been busy you know. it's my fault it's my fault we were uh, we're a little late here getting this together but that's all right it is your fault and that's okay i'm not gonna uh, i'm not gonna yeah, hold it against you, you know, i'm not gonna I, say you know, i gotta do my theater thing and yeah i got another show coming and and uh just holding auditions 114 people auditioned for me that's good old anthony you know good old anthony he's a that real thespian over there. That's Look unbelievable. At him. Anyway, Look at that so mug. I was like, yeah, I got a little, little tied up a little bit with that, but now uh, that's almost past me, um, and uh, we can uh, kind of get back into the swing of things here. So, so our dear friend Bundy is off promoting uh, the International Ice Wars, which we are very Ice Wars International, which we are very excited about. Yes, uh, he is. I I don't know if I've ever seen him as excited as he is to make that debut on the commentary team. Remember, you can find that on Fight TV. We had those guys on a couple of weeks ago he, he's for a, for a he's fun episode, with, but he's, uh, he's over the moon. A friendly episode, huh? Or friendly, he uh, is. Friendly uh, uh, podcast, I should he, say. He hasn't recorded it yet, though, so uh, we don't okay, want to okay. right. promote until right. their show is up. But keep an eye out on Bundy's social. He's going to be showing up on another Flyers podcast at some point here. Yeah. At least that's that's what he says. Yeah. I believe him. Um before we get into anything, wanted to plug and remind people that we have that GoFundMe setup that we talked about on the last episode uh, for Jimmy McCrossin and Sal Rafa. Uh, it's GoFundMe.com slash Jimmy and Sal. Head on over there. Make a uh, donation if you can to help with their medical bills. If you, want, if you missed last week's episode, uh, really good episode. I did see, you know, we put a little disclaimer there on the beginning of the episode. There were some people who, you know, it, it touched a little bit too close to home, couldn't get through that episode because uh, it, it really does pull at your heartstrings, and it's a real life situation, and it, and it you know there was a, it's very sad, also inspirational, but sad, and so we get it. Uh, but if you get a chance, head over to GoFundMe.com/slash Jimmy and Sal, make a donation, even the smallest donation is still greatly appreciated, and uh, and so there's that. Now, and we have uh, some stuff to talk about. We're we're beyond a week past Chuck Fletcher's press conference, so I don't want to dive too much into that. At, at this point, I think people's minds have been made up about how they feel about that press conference. If we want to weave in and out of that a little bit here uh, over the next 30 minutes, 45 minutes, three hours or so, however long we do the show for, we can certainly go there. Um, but the, the biggest thing to happen, well, there were two big things. One, the Flyers fell in the draft lottery, which I know made people very excited. Um, my favorite thought going into this i don't know if you saw this on twitter but there were people who kept saying that they wanted the flyers to fall like they didn't want the flyers to be at the top two picks because they know that the team kind of has a propensity for screwing up that pick or for missing out on a generational talent see um <clears throat> patrick Kane, maybe not generational but you you get it um and there there was that other guy that the flyers drafted a few years ago ron hextall really wanted to go after but not the other not not the, not the mccarr kid he was good he's good not not the high skinning kid he's also good 
not Pedersen. He's also good. What the hell is that kiss? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But people wanted them to be lower down so the Flyers could get whoever was left. And in a draft that many believe is a four-player draft, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers got pick number five. So there we go, Ant. Uh, I guess we can wrap it up. We can call it an episode. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you follow on Twitter at Philly at Joy on Broad, at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. We will be back next. <laughs> and can you um can you speak a little bit of positivity about the draft lottery into existence? Can you give people some yeah. hope that yeah, there, will. There, there will be good players there available at number five? I, I don't expect you've done a, a deep scouting of like the Swedish league, but <laughs> maybe there's a maybe there's a little bit of hope. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> no, I mean there is a little hope. I mean the Flyers are likely to get either the top-rated defensive prospect in this draft or the second-highest-rated defensive prospect in this draft. So if that's if that's the case, assuming they stay put at number five, don't use it in a trade or uh, or whatever you know, whatever the case might be. Um, you're, you got to be happy with that. I mean, you know, just because it's not a superstar caliber talent um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, and there are two uh, two guys that you know that you're looking at um, in that draft at pick five. Uh, there's a David Jurasek, who's the Czech uh, defenseman, a little bit bigger, uh, got a little size. Um, uh, who Craig Button from TSN compared to Moritz Sider, um, who was one of my uh, finalists for uh, Calder this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that's the kind of player he is. Although he had a, he suffered a really bad knee injury. Um, I forget if it was at the Olympics or World Juniors. I forget which one it was. I th- either way, caught up in the details. I, I, like yeah, but it, it, yeah, it was one of them, and it's likely going to keep him out of action for a while. Um, so if you do draft Jurasek, you're probably looking at a slightly longer road before he gets you know here. And, of course, everybody's going to say, oh, no, here we go again. First round draft pick of a defenseman with knee problems, Sam Moran all over again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that could be the one red flag. Um, the other one is um, uh, Simon Nemec, uh, who is mm-hmm. a uh, Slovakian uh, defenseman. Um, who is more of an offensive-minded uh, defenseman. Um, and uh, uh, Craig Button compared him to Noah Dobson from the Islanders, who you know, put 51 points up this year. So mm-hmm. um, that's, a, that's a pretty good comp. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, more, he's more of a smaller, speedier, you know, think, think, you know, think the rush kind of guy, like breakout and rush kind of defenseman. Um, uh the other thing about Yurisek is, is he's right-handed, which we know the Flyers absolutely love right, developing right-handed defensemen. Um, but either way, I mean, if you get either one of those guys, I mean, everyone kind of agrees. You know, you look around, like all the all the scouting, um, all the all the you know professional scouts that are out there to put lists out that these two guys are the top two defensive prospects. The Flyers seem to need. I mean, when you look at what they have in the organization, they're they're kind of bereft on defense at this point. So I think that's where they're going to go. Um, you could be worse. It could be worse. The problem that I have has nothing to do with the fact that they fell to five and eight and what everybody thinks is a four forward draft. It's mm-hmm. that the way that the NHL has now operating the draft lottery, Russ, is befuddling to me. 
And maybe I'm just no good at math. But how can it be that you have you finish in fourth place or fourth worst record, mm-hmm. and then you go into the lottery, and your best odds are getting the fifth pick, which is what they ended up getting. I think there were 55.6% chance that that's what they were going to get. But how is it that your odds are better of getting a, a pick that is not where you finished? That should, your best odds should be where you finished. It doesn't have to be over 50%, but that should be your best odds. Whatever, However the math works, your best odds should be to pick fourth. To remain, to remain where you were. Right. Now, could you, could you move up? Yes. Could you fall back? Yes, of course. But you should at no point have your best odds be going, falling backwards, nor should they ever be that high, 55%. That's insanity. And the, and the, the reason I'm, I'm really, again, and I've been arguing with my kid who's a math whiz, and he's telling me that I just don't understand it. He, he insists that you know every, everybody's odds are more than 50% to, to fall uh, regardless. But the argument that I'm making is that the NHL is only doing a lottery for two spots, and yeah. that's the issue. So not only not only are you doing a lottery for just two spots, so you're only drawing you're drawing 16 balls for the first one, 15. I know they don't do ping pong balls. I'm just using that as an example. 16 right. for the first one, 15 for the second one, right? So the 16 teams, 15 teams, and then that's it. And then you couple that with the fact that teams 12 through 16 who are in the lottery can't win the lottery. Yep. Like so, what the hell is the, why are they in there? That they cannot allow to win. They can only go up 10 spaces. That only makes it so that the teams in spots two, three, and four now have more of a reason to fall backwards because you're letting teams in who can't win. And I know that you hate when I do this, and there are probably some people who are going to hate this. For comparison, the NBA does a draft lottery. That only includes 14 teams, right? Mm -hmm. It's the 14 teams that didn't make the playoffs. And they do the lottery for the top four spots. And then from five through 14 is in... um, Reverse, reverse order, order of, right. of where they finished. So even if you wanted to say that hypothetically, uh, you don't want the draft lottery to be something where like conceptually the 16th team or whatever, or the 14th team could go up and win the lottery, which I think is fair. Like I, I do think that there is something kind of sound, maybe a little bit in that, like you can only move up 10 spots and as such only one through 11 or whatever can, can win the thing. I, I don't understand why you would only draw for two spots. That to me is the problem, right? Because all it takes is for one fluke to go jump up into that top two for all these other teams to get screwed. Now you could say that maybe it's an anti uh, an anti tanking thing, right? Because in theory, if you did have two or three teams that looked like they were egregiously tanking, which we don't really see as much in the NHL. That like, all right, we can make sure that at least one of these teams isn't necessarily rewarded with a top two pick. Like we could have a team that tried to field a good squad and had some injuries and like things went sideways on them. They might be able to jump into the top two. Now we have like a better team that like gets a nice pick. And also it we have like another example of how it's not a guarantee that finishing with a bad record gets you a guaranteed top four spot like in the NBA. Either way, nonsensical at best. And this is why you and I, we are not the math guys, right? There are probably seven or eight people listening right now who have their like mental flow charts going and they've got their mental spreadsheets and they've got like the bar graphs and pie graphs that they wake up and go to sleep every night thinking about. And they're probably thinking right now, (laughs) well, of course the highest percentage is that they would move down. 
But I think like your point is is a sound one in that like you could theoretically make sure that a team doesn't move back or doesn't move back by much or that like the percentage chance of them having to fall back isn't isn't as high. And it it's, 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 it's got to be it's got to be more that last one. I, and I understand the teams could yeah. fall back. I mean, if somebody's going to jump up, somebody has to fall back, right? I mean, there's always yeah, it has you know, to. It, yeah. it, there's an it's a you know, cause and effect thing, right? Um, but at the same time, going into it, you shouldn't be favored to fall back. You should be favored yeah. to be where you are. That's the that's where I have an issue with the NHL system is that they put it in place so that teams are favored to suffer for yeah. being bad. And that's not mm-hmm. that what's the point of a draft? The point of the draft and having the bad teams pick first is to say we want to help bring um you know a more level playing field and get you back being a, a good team again faster when well, you're now punishing teams by doing that this way. It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's typical NHL. Here's a real question. Because the NHL is more akin to like Major League Baseball than it is to the NBA or even the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. In that you don't necessarily it, – it's not common that, let's say, like the top five picks, but especially like even the number one pick isn't always going to be a generational talent. Since there typically is a little bit of a learning curve, even for the best players, right? They might have to go play a year in the A or, or play, you know, or they get in the NHL their rookie year, but they're not like an impact, you know, massive performer. Is there a case to be made to just get rid of the lottery entirely? Like, if if hockey is kind of built on this idea of, like, honor and, like, all kinds of, like, the code of, of uh, you know, respectability and everything, you would think that the league and the other teams would call out, you know, uh, intentional tanking or things of that nature. You would think that, like, of all the sports, this should be the one that you don't see that kind of overt tanking that has happened in the NBA, see the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like... Shouldn't they be able to say, if we're only going to do the lottery for two teams anyway, what are we doing? Why don't we just eliminate it altogether? And then worst well, team, what, you get the best pick. It's yeah, just how it works. Yeah, and I guess I, that would just be going back to like really the oldest, oldest, oldest uh, time uh, when there was no lottery in any sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lottery, keep in, keep in mind, the lottery is still sort of kind of relatively new. I mean, the first lottery ever held in any sport was the NBA. It was 1985. That was the Patrick Ewing um, draft when they said that the the envelope was frozen, and that's how they knew to give them to the Knicks, right? Um, Allegedly. So (laughs) it's a great great (laughs) story, man. There's a a whole whole video on it. It's great. There is. Um, uh, But so so it's really not that old of a concept. Um, And the NHL didn't institute it until 95. Right. So and we're not even at the third. We're not even at the thirty-year mark of the lottery being in existence. There's nothing. It's not like it's it's a thing that was like one of the foundational elements of the league, right? Like they they could just as easily abolish it. Yeah, they could. But but then I think what their concern is is that you'll go back to having teams purposely losing just to get into one of those spots, right? Um, so I, I think that's the that's the issue. So uh, here's what I was thinking, Russ. Go ahead. Tell me this isn't, and I don't have the math exactly right. I would be off by maybe a point or two, a percentage point or two here or there, but just roughly, all right? Let's just say you have 16 teams, mm-hmm. okay? Uh-huh. Make it split it. So you have, two, you have two lotteries, 
Hold on, let me write this down, Anne. I have. Yeah, a, yeah. Okay, you I write have, it down. I have a hand. I have a handy dandy notebook over here, like Steve from Blue's <laughs> Clues. Um, <laughs> come on, my kids watch that, man. I remember. I remember. Steve, um, then Joe, and then there's the new guy. I don't know who the new guy they have is. A, they have a little song now. Come on in, come on in. Yeah. Blue's Clues. I've okay. ki- I have little kids now. Yes, so. you do have the little. They kids. don't watch Blue's Clues, but it's on the commercials. So yeah. Anyway. Um, well, let's go let's, see, let's let's go. Um, so you have 16 teams. You have two mm-hmm. different lotteries, one through eight and nine through okay. 16. Okay? So this, this, this way, it gives, the, it gives the teams that just missed the playoffs a chance to still move up, but not ridiculously far all the way to the top. Okay? okay. So then you go, and then you break it down so that, like, team one has a 20% chance of, of winning, the, winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. Team two is like 18% or whatever, 17 and a half. And, you, and so forth down, 16, 14, 12. And you, and you just bring it all the way down until, until it totals 100. I was doing it by twos, 2018, 16, 14, 12, 10. But then it got to 104, so I was a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, you yeah so got, you got to okay. change the math just, just right, a let's say number one. All right, so let's just say number one gets 20%, right? And then there is, what, seven spots to get the remaining uh, 80%. So it's, it's what, 12, 12? No, just under 12%. That'd be 84. All right, so... 11 and 12, a half? 12, 12 and a half. It's 12 and a half. If you're doing one, one out of eight, one out of eight is 12 and a half. Yeah. That, that no, I was, going one, I was going out of the seven. The seven remaining spots. The seven remaining spots, you have to have 80%, right? Because you'd be doing one. Yes, correct. Number one, yeah. Yes. So they would need to be like 11-ish percent. Yeah. I mean, you can, you yeah. can, if you really want to, you can make number one, 21, 22. divided by seven <laughs> equals 11.4. I had yeah. said 11.5. So look at that. Yeah. Good. That's, but I mean, but that I, kids is why you take math and personal finance and not calc. All yeah. Right, go ahead. So then you yeah. so you do that right, and you pick your and then you pick your you get your number one pick. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then do it again for two, and do it again for three. Okay. And just maybe you don't need to go okay. four because you're only using eight teams. Right. Okay. So that means that the worst you could fall is three spots. Okay. You could fall the the one team if the one. So four number, through eight, four through eight would be locked in based on where they finish, like reverse, it, or, reverse, or in reverse order. Okay. Yes. Four, so four, one to three or one to three are the draw. Okay. Yeah. And four through and eight locked in. Four through eight reverse order. Okay. Okay. So I think uh-huh. by that percentage, if let's just say we give twenty percent chance. So if he has a twenty percent chance of winning, if you're the worst team, you have a twenty percent chance of winning the first pick. You don't get it. Okay. Now you're mm-hmm. at two. You have a twenty percent chance. Well, probably a slightly better than that because we take a team out. Right, so you probably have like about a twenty-five percent chance of getting the second pick. You don't get it. You fall to the third one. Now you're about roughly thirty percent. I mean, again, we're, these are just rough numbers. If you still don't lose, okay, if sure. you still don't get it, that's really getting unlucky. Okay, but it takes yeah. a lot of bad luck to fall three spots to number four. Not that mm-hmm. you have a fifty-five percent chance to fall going in. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. So then, what happens with nine to sixteen? Same thing. You do Are same. They, they're just reverse order. Or? No, no, no. You could do a you could do a lottery for those guys. Are oh, you doing a lottery for number nine? Ooh, okay. Well, no, but I'm saying that gives that gives the 16 team a chance to move up as well, right? Okay. I mean, you know, okay. Now that's interesting. A double lottery. Double lottery. Look you at you. Look at f- you. You just sat back. You just kind of like lean with it, rock with. That was like a little, some don't dance and just hold my pants in, little fat Joe. Yeah, yeah. No, little. Okay. It, but it's it's kind of like a, it's kind of like the appetizer for the main course. You can make it an hour long like TV show. Right, oh, you have the sixteen. You know how the NHL loves its ad money. Yeah, sixteen to nine. You do that whole thing first. Okay, cool. And just now want to make sure you said six. You said sixteen 
nine. To nine. Just wanna, okay. Yeah. I just yeah. 16 to nine. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then, how old are you? It's a family show, Should Anthony. we start talking, should we start yeah. telling fart jokes on the, on this show yeah. now? <laughs> What's that? I said, should we start telling fart jokes on this show now? Mm-hmm. All right. There um, we go. Uh, and then, yes, and then, See what happens when Bunny's not here? And then eight to one. I mean, it's just, to me, it just makes I like more it. sense. Just That's makes good. more sense. I yeah. don't know. That's better I mean, than what listen, it is. If you're if you're listening out there and you have a math background or uh, you're like an actuary or something or like you can put together a computer model that explains this, we will have you on the show. You can explain the model. We'll be very happy to have you on. Uh, email us snowthegoalie at gmail.com, please. I think that'd be really fun. What the hell else are we going to do here for the next few months, right? We'll yep. just have some math people on. They can explain it. You and I can kind of like stare at them glazed over. Bundy won't show up for that show. Just oh boys, I don't know, and then it'll be it. Yeah, we're we're good. Funny, we're funny. talking analytics today. <laughs> See you next week, boys. <laughs> that that actually is like pretty spot on. What did he say? All right, so uh, we've now solved the NHL draft uh, until a math person comes in and proves either you are brilliant or a moron. Um, so let's let's move on to the next big topic and the one that is on everybody's mind right now. Uh, season ticket prices. I'm just kidding. Uh, Barry Trotz gets fired by the Islanders, and in maybe one of the funniest public statements, good old Lou comes out, and he's asked, did you talk to the players? Did you talk to anybody else in the organization before you made this decision to move on from Barry Trotz? And he said, no, I didn't need to. Woo! When you thought things here could be a mess from time to time, that is a very telling statement. Is it not, Ant? Well, I think the telling thing that what's telling to me, and I guess the only thing that's that would be, can I wrote a whole article about why the Flyers should hire Barry Trotz? I think he would be the best mm-hmm. coach for this team. But the one, if you were going to raise a red flag, here's a guy that left Nashville for Washington, quickly won a Stanley Cup, and then left there, went to the Islanders, had some pretty good success there, had one down season that you can really equate to off ice issues. Right. I mean, they weren't they were still a, a plus 500 team and they had, you know, they had to play the first six weeks of the season on the road because their stadium wasn't ready. They had 11 games canceled because of covid and they had a reschedule in a condensed schedule already because we originally had the Olympic break. They had games then plugged in there and into March as well. Um, and then they also had covid problems themselves with like up to 10 guys that missed time with covid. So. You know, the fact that they were still in a, a plus 500 team, even though they were never really a contender for a playoff spot, um, it's a testament to the fact that it was still a pretty good team that just had some unusual circumstances. And yet he's gone there after three seasons or four seasons with the Islanders. Um, so you got to wonder, like, what's why, you know, why did he last for 15 years in Nashville and now he's looking for his third team in five years since then? Um, so you got, you got to wonder if there's something there, but then again, it's, you know, Lou, 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 Lou is in charge. And if, if you challenge Lou, you're, you're going to, I mean, it's like the mafia, man. I mean, it's, you know, Lou's going to, yeah, got to get that air trumpet. Yeah. Like that. Absolutely. Um, but, uh. Now that's so I I mean I'm not too too worried about it but you do it does beg the question like how do you this guy turn this team around quickly and made them mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup contender they lost to the, the to the team that won the cup two two straight years to not, to suddenly say the coach is fired after that kind of season what you went through eh, that's a that's a tough 
It's a tough call for the coach. I was counting something really quick. Oh, Can you I thought, take a I guess? I lost your mic. How many, how many uh, coaches that are currently employed have, a, have at least 100 games coached in the NHL right now? How many? I'm not, well, so I'm not going to try and go through each one because that would be unfair. No. Um, but if I had to guess, out of 30, well, there's, are you, so there's not 32. There's tw- uh, 28 right now. Is that correct? What are we talking Detroit, about? Oh, because. Detroit, yeah. Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. So, um, so go the with Islanders and uh, how many? Chicago how many coaches know. with their current teams have coached at least a hundred games? Uh, I'll say eight. That was actually pretty close. It's eleven. There are okay. eleven coaches. How many of those coaches have two hundred games or more? Three. No. Okay. You know what? You're you're a little bit. Low? Tougher than the NHL is six. Okay, six coaches. The only the six are Rod Brindamore, Daryl Sutter, Bruce Cassidy, uh, Bedner, oh, I forgot about Sullivan, that. and I forgot Cooper. About Bruce Cassidy. I forgot. So about those Bruce are the, those are the only six. And if we wanted to fill out the rest, you've got Baruby, Egan Smith, McClellan, and Keith. So although, I let's be been. honest, if if Toronto blows game six and then goes home and blows game seven. He might not be on that list for much longer. That's that's true. Toronto will probably burn the place to the ground. Rooting so, for it, man. Rooting for it. You're a, no, you're no a city deserves a, deserves another loss like that than Toronto, like Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Do you know what the last year was that they won a first round series? I did this because I wrote a thing about um, the Maple Leafs and Lightning. Don't look it up. Look at me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. Don't you, you son of a. I see you. You're trying to find it. You are looking. You are looking. The last time. The Toronto Maple Leafs won a first round series. Stop looking at your phone. I'm not. The I got people, the people watching on YouTube. They know. Text, they can see the it. You are a fraud. Well, that's going to show Thanks. up. So people are going to they're going to freeze that, and because it's going to be on on the uh, YouTube. So hopefully it's nothing that I have to clip out. We'd be really yeah. pissed if that's the case. Anyway, yeah, probably is. <laughs> I'm I'm not cutting it out. I'm not cutting it out. So whoever's trust you betrayed, that's on you. That is between you, that person, and your God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you probably do have to cut it. out. I hate you so much sometimes. Okay, so you'll see when you see it. You'll see why. I see now. You're making now. You're making it worse. Now I really do have to cut it. I'm mad at you. All right. So in a part of the episode that we had to cut from the video, I think we can keep the audio in. But the part that we had to cut from the video, Anthony showed a text that he wasn't supposed to show on air. I'm very excited to find out what was in it. Anyway, um, the the thing about Toronto is they haven't won a first-round series since 2004. That's insane. Right before the because, Flyers knocked them out on the Ronick yep. overtime goal. Yeah. Yep. So when you think about, like, a, a tortured town, think about a town that takes hockey as seriously as Toronto does, how, how uh, live or die they are with their team. 2004, that's yeah. insane. Since, it, since um, they even won a series. Since they won a first-round series. I mean, you think it's bad they've, here. They've been eliminated... What four four years no five years in a row five years in a row in the first round yeah if they were to lose this series against Tampa it'd be six crazy all right so we talk about what do you do to turn this team around quickly like if the aggressive retool is a real thing like if that's something you're trying to do there is certainly a case to be made that Barry Trotz comes in here and if you don't change the roster at all they will but if you don't change the roster at all or you just make minor tweaks does Barry Trotz make this team a playoff team or at least a playoff bubble team. He does. He has to. 
it, it would seem almost inconceivable that if this team can be healthy going into next year, there are a lot of ifs, Ellis, Couturier, Hayes, if they can all report to camp healthy and stay healthy, the team should be at, at worst a bubble team to make the playoffs. Am I, am I off base? No, you're right. There's another side to this that you and I won't agree on, but I think we will. I think we do, but we don't. If you are in the camp of we want this team to be bad next year, we want this team to shed as much salary as possible this offseason, we want to see the young kids play, perhaps grab some uh, potential like reclamation project, young players this offseason, hand the keys over to a coach, and then just like let those kids have a season where there are no expectations whatsoever. Hopefully get yourself back in the draft lottery where next year's draft is, you know, this widely heralded one as being the best in however many years. And and your goal is to get into that top two for next year. Barry Trotz is not a good hire if you don't change the roster because he will make the team too good. You will be in that situation where you're in that, I don't know, like let's say the number eight spot, the number nine spot going into the draft lottery, which while you can still make it into the top two, is far from making it into the top two. Can we agree on that? That he's a good enough coach that if this roster doesn't change much, he's still too good of a coach for them to be a bottom two, bottom three record team. Yep. So therein lies, I think, the problem. If you're, if you're a fan that wants everything to get burned to the ground, he's too good. Is there a, is there a case that can be made with this team that he is anything but the right hire? Well, I don't think so. I but. don't either. You know, you know that I'm like a Mr. Tear It Down, but I don't know when that guy's available, how do you not go with him? Because there, there is kind of a flip side, right? Like, Well, my, my thought, there's a, there's a lot of things that I think that maybe would change with Barry Trotz as the coach. And I tried to outline it a little bit to show just how much of a difference maker he is in my story where, you know, a lot of people said, oh, well, he, he stunts skill players. And I, and I used mm-hmm. Matthew Barzal as an example in that mm-hmm. story. And, um, you know, Barzal's, you know, had his rookie year. He put up 85 points in 82 games. It was, it was a really good rookie season. Um, but he was not the greatest defensive player that year. I mean, if you look at the numbers, and this is when it's a time when I say it's okay to look at, go back. I, th- I think that there are some analytics that, that people lean on too much in season, but when you go back and, and look retrospectively at them, can, can kind of tell a little bit kind of a story, and, and you could see progression or regression of a player uh, or a team over time. And when you go back and look, and like I, I used um, uh, you know, expected goals uh, for and expected goals against, um, uh, well, I mean, sorry, just as just as just as, a, just as, a, as an overall measure, mm-hmm. um, and then high danger chances for and against um, with that player on the ice at five on five, mm-hmm. and he was just mediocre that first year. Was better the second year, the third year, which was let's we, we, if we're not counting this year, we're going to count. Uh, we're going to say last year when they went to the conference finals again was his best year. Mm-hmm. His point production went down. 
He was he was only averaging instead of instead, you know again they played a shortened season so we can't we can't use the total points but when he had eighty five points in eighty two games it was like what one point oh four points per game um, and it was down to uh, last season not this season last season was down to zero point eight one or zero point eight two something like that whatever it was but if you do, if you look at that drop off but add in the difference in how few goals they gave up when he was on the ice, how much better of a defensive player he was, he was a plus player. And not plus by plus minus, although even if you use plus minus as a measure, he was a plus 15, which was his best year as a plus minus. So if, you, if you're an old school plus minus person, you want to look at that, okay, fine. But he, the difference in, yet, yes, he was getting less points per game, but he was a, while he was on the ice, his team was allowing less shots, less chances, less goals less expected goals. Mm-hmm. And and that tells you a lot about the kind of coach that Trotz is. So when you look at the Flyers players who have been so, so, so sloppy at 5-1-5, okay, never mind the penalty kill and, and power play, which have been disasters as well, but just looking at 5-1-5 five five and how sloppy they've been at times, if he can fix that in a player of that skill level, Matthew Barzal, imagine what he does with guys – who are you know? Who are meant to be more of a you know two hundred foot player, not not your high end skill guy, right? It's supposed to be a guy that that's going to make their bones in this league as a guy who plays in both ends of the ice. Imagine how much better defensive players those guys become, and imagine how much better that makes the defense in front of a goalie, and imagine how much better that makes the goalie, and how much more confidence the goalie has. In, with a defense playing in front of them like that. Okay, so that you, people might say the style is boring. They're not going to score a ton of goals. I don't care if you win. It doesn't matter if it's one nothing, 2-1, 3-2. Those, those wins are just as as cute as as 8-6, right? I mean, they just really are. They're the same. They're worth the same. So, like, it doesn't matter. And if you have a team like the Flyers have, which is lacking that high-end talent, but has – a lot of that, what you would consider middle-range talent or young talent that is going to probably max out as middle-range talent, okay, then this is exactly the type of coach that you want because he's going to get them to play the right way and they'll be opportunistic and not necessarily try and make plays that they shouldn't make or, or make the same stupid mistakes that they always make. They'll be very structured. And that's what that's what Trotz does. He's a str- go back and look at all those national teams that he took to the playoffs. How many star players did they have there? They didn't really have any. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys would pop in here and there with a decent season, but it was all about defense and goaltending. Pecorine and and all those all those good defensemen that he had in front of him. That's what the Nashville and okay, they didn't win anything. They won the Stanley Cup, but they won games in the NHL against very good opposition. The West is always good. Remember, they were, this was during the years of Chicago and L.A. winning the Cups five years in a row, right? I mean, that's we're talking about some really good teams out West. And, and there, there, there was Nashville right in the thick of it every year. That's all the coach, man. And, and so, like, you can, you can turn this around much quicker. I'm not saying it's this one year. Uh, obviously, it's going to take a little bit more than one year. But can it be two? Can you become the Islanders? Can you be an Eastern Conference finalist? In 23-24, if you hire Barry Trotz as your coach this summer, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. 
So and that's, I, that's to me that's that's how important of a coach I think he could be. So here's the problem with it. If you want to say that there's a problem, a lot of this is based on the premise that he can elevate mediocre talent to meet the moment, which is good because you know the Flyers have a lot of mediocre talent. And if people are worried about him stymieing, you know, uh, really dynamic, exceptional players, well, also good news, we don't have those. So that that's two positives in the Barry Trotz column. There is a question, I think, about the development side of things, right? Because you conceptually have open roster spots to be able to give young players adequate playing time. And I think maybe if, if there is a positive to go by this, like... Trotz is going to implement a system and put in a level of accountability that's going to be good for young players. It's going to probably get them more NHL ready than anybody who's uh, coached the team in recent memory. So to that end, okay, like you can certainly make a case that Barry Trotz from a development standpoint might be the best. In terms of like, is he going to develop dynamic talent? I I don't want to say probably not. Maybe not. Is he going to create a culture and install and, and install a system that's going to make these young players accountable to one another and hopefully put together a, a team that actually performs hard on the ice and you know gives it up and, and kind of like matches the mentality of the city? Yeah. I don't know which way you go. I really don't. Like I, I could totally see the the logic behind get the good coach, let him kind of mold the minds of the younger kids and at the same time hold the vets accountable. You've gotten rid of a lot of the vets that historically people have wanted to see you move on from if if you believe that there was a, an accountability issue with quote-unquote the core. So if this guy comes in and we still see a lot of the same issues, I don't know what the hell you do at that point, Ant. Like at that point, I like saying to gut the team doesn't even begin to say it, right? Because if this team were to hire trots, and had a lot of those same mental lapses, a lot of that same like inability to get started from the from the opening puck drop, a lot of those systemic issues that I think we've all kind of seen for six years. Well, Claude Giroux's gone. Jake Voracek is gone. Shane Gossespierre is gone. Like there aren't that many guys left who were part of the core left. It's, it, it's Sean Couturier, right? Like that's it. Yes. Um, here's what I'm going to say, Russ, and this is why I think it makes more sense to go with trots than any other coach. I think it's fair to say that next year's roster, remember now, remember last year, we remember I, I came out on this show at this time and said, Chuck's going to change about seven or eight players, right? I, th- that was what I said and ended up being nine. He actually went one further than, than my prediction. This year, I'm going to tell you that I believe that, let's see, 10, 15, 16 of the 20 players on the roster, and this is the top 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goalies, okay? Obviously, there could be depth pieces that are come from outside the organization, but I'm going to say that 16 of 20 are currently in the organization. So at most, you're adding four players to this team. In that vein, since you're not having that much of a turnover, and you're going to come back next season with guys that are already here. Who better than to help them develop that next level? All guys who've played in the NHL this season. We're not talking about 
rookies who've never played here. We're, I mean, there's mm-hmm. yeah some younger players, of course, who've only got you know Noah Cates, like for example, who's got 20 games under his belt. Okay, he's going to be he's going to be on the team in my mind. Um, yeah. But it, but you know, so we're not we're not we're not talking about that. But I don't think that there's any rookie player that's going to come in next year and and just take a spot on this roster. Um, who better than Barry Trotz to get the who most better? out of this group? I mean, that's that's how I look at it, you know. And I think that you can. I think you can still make moves. I think you can. I think there are players. Look, you uh, look. We can talk about this ad nauseum, and we're going to do it all the way up until July, whatever. With the draft is the seventh, so you know the week leading into that is usually when trades start happening, and you know. Well, Johnny Hackey. Johnny Hackey over there. We start hearing about all the wild rumors about you know who's going to sign free agency, but I mean you know let's just say for example, you find someone to take on part of JVR's contract. You're going to pay part of it, right? You're going to probably pay two million, but somebody pays five. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say that you do make a trade for a player that includes a, 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 a Travis Konechny, for example, mm-hmm. right? To try and maybe get a top line player. Uh, the name I'll throw at you. Not that this is anything that I've heard, but I'll just throw at you. I'll say Mark Shifley. Okay, who's okay. who? You know, Winnipeg probably can't keep him. Because they got to mm-hmm. pay all their other players, so maybe that's a one where you trade off Shifley for for Konechny kind of deal mm-hmm. to keep the salaries about where it needs to be. Okay, um, and uh, so let's say that, that that you do that, and then you go out and you sign you sign one free agent, like mid range free agent on the left wing because that's where you're. That's I think that's where they're weakest right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how about a guy like? Uh, Valerian Chushkin. Okay. Nice player. Okay. Right. Okay. Not not great, but decent Fine. player. Right. Okay. Fits um, in here. Let's just so I'm just saying I'm just throwing this together. Like just like so now all of a sudden you got a group of like, all right, let's look at that top line. Faraby, Shifley, Atkinson, I guess, okay. With another That's, line of um hold, wait, hold on. No, that doesn't work. Why not? Faraby on Faraby can play the left. Shifley's a center. Atkinson would be on the right. That's your best offense. That's going to be your top. So well, it's so your best you offensive put, line. You, I mean, that could be your. Couturier. You put Couturier on the second line. Yeah, I mean, however you want to look at okay. it. I mean, I okay. think Couturier, okay. Couturier is Couturier is your best. That's why I said it doesn't work because Couturier, Couturier is your best okay. two-way center, okay. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you're playing Couturier with skill players on either side. Like, I shouldn't say that. You're not playing Couturier with guys who are not. Also defensively responsible. I think that that's what's hurt Couturier okay. in, in the past. So I think you put like Couturier. Let's say you put the. I mentioned Nachushkin. It could be anybody on that left wing, but let's just say that that kind of player, and Couturier and Owen Tippett as the second line. You like that? Pretty good line, right? Pretty that's decent. Pretty decent line. Um, and then you go to a third line. What if it's, what if your third line has Kevin Hayes centering? Uh, I know, I know, right? We're paying him to be a second line center. He's now your third line center. Um, but you're centering Lawton and 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 Wade Allison. Is that a bad third line though? Uh, Russ is banging his head. But is that a bad third line? Is my question. No, it's not. Not right. And then in your fourth line is is you know obviously they're. Low. You paid the guy to be your second center. <laughs> He's got to be a third center. Yeah. Everybody saw it coming. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's right. I'm good. 
And then your fourth okay. line is your fourth line. I mean, you could go whatever. And there's so many routes you can go with that. But I mean, Noah Cates is, I think, definitely on it. And then the question: Who is who's the center in that line? Is it is it Tanner Lachinsky? Is it a, another veteran you bring in at a low money contract? You know, is it um, is it uh, Brown again? Pa- uh, Patrick Brown? Does he come back again in that role? I mean, he's under contract for another year. Um, you also got Zach McHugh, and he's not going to play center. But I mean, you know, they seem to like him. Nate Thompson, Nate Thompson will yeah. be available. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of your. So that's so. There's your lines, and and are they bad? I don't particularly think so. All right, do this again one more time. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on my handy dandy notebook. Yeah, your handy dandy got, notebook. Yep, you got Farabee. I went Farabee, Shifley, uh-huh. Atkinson, uh-huh. Nachushkin. Couturier, Tippett. Uh-huh. Lawton, Hayes, Allison. Hold on. Lawton, Hayes, Allison. Uh, and then you got Cates. And then, like, I mean, I said whoever for center. I mean, I, you put Lachinsky. Question mark. Nate Thompson. And then. <laughs> I said the Lachinsky other... and, and McEwen. Okay. That's your, that's your four okay. lines. All right, so that's what that looks like, folks. All right. All right, then defensive. Uh, defensive def- pairings. Defensive pairing Again, this is assuming everybody's healthy. Okay. You still got Provorov Ellis. No, you don't, but okay. Provorov Ellis, okay. San- Sanheim Ristolainen. Uh-huh. And then you have... Um, York. York. And then I think you got to go out and Free get... Agent? Like, well, yeah, Free but agent. probably. But when I say that, Russ, I don't want you to. Do, I don't want you to go, go crazy because the free agent defenseman you're bringing in is you're looking at a you're looking for a third pair, mm-hmm. uh, defenseman who's going to come really cheap, like you know that million dollar just bargain, over a million bargain dollars. basement. I heard there's a guy, uh, Keith Yandel, will be available <laughs> this off season and won't cost a lot. <laughs> Bring him in, okay? Uh, but no, but that's and then, know, that, but that's so the funny okay. thing is, is that so, that's. I, you, you make a joke about it, and I'm not saying Keith Yandel's the answer. That's not what I'm saying. But but, but <laughs> it's not going to be not. it's not going to be someone f- far better than that. Like I mean, it's going to be that type of that type of player. How like like I the guy I like. How many games I, would it take uh, Barry Trotz to impale uh, <laughs> Keith Yandel at center ice on ice? The, the guy I the guy I like in that role, who's going to be a free agent and has played a lot this year with Tampa, is Jan Ruda. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's making. I think he's making one point three this year. So like okay. that would that would be that guy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to, you know, look elsewhere. I mean, there's other there's other guys that might be a little bit more affordable. Um, hey, but, just wait, just wait until he ends up. It could be Justin uh, Braun again, for God's sake. Well, just wait until Ristolainen ends up on that third pair, and York is up with Sanheim, and then we have. Uh, Kevin Hayes playing third line and Ristolainen playing third pair. That'll be something. That leads us, by the way, Ant, to the issue in net, which has been... There's I an think issue our third, in net? Our third... Uh, it is a goalie controversy. Rhea! There's a, there's a goalie controversy, Rhea! Okay. <laughs> so, there's, there's Carter Hart. Yes. And there's this nice young man, Fedotov, who Ivan Fedotov, yes, who is on his way over. And I want you to, I want you to look at my depth chart here. Do you see that? Ant? Oh yes, look at this. 
Explain to the people who are listening and not watching on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. What you do have, you do here? You have Fedotov listed ahead of Hart. I do. Which you're nuts, but that's okay. I love chaos. We know I love chaos. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what's been really interesting? This is the critical thing. This kind of gives you an idea of how screwed up the Flyers fan base is. That's, okay? that's the kind of stuff you find on the Philadelphia Flyers fan group in, in Facebook. There you go. So <laughs> follow me on this for a second. I put a tweet out right when they announced that, that Fedotov had been signed. And I said, imagine Flyers Twitter when Fedotov comes in and wins the starting job, right? Just hypothetical. Think about the season Carter Hart just had. Mm-hmm. Think about the fact that Carter Hart largely was a solid goalie in net for a really bad team. He arguably kept them in a lot more games than they had any right to be in. Mm-hmm. He kept the final score respectable in losses that should have been blowouts, okay? So Carter Hart... The kid that came up through your system, the kid who got brought up at a very young age, the kid who bounced back, I think we would both agree, this season, Mm -hmm. despite the team in front of him being uh, a mix of, you know, dog crap and garbage and a couple of gems, but not really. Uh, Carter Hart, in theory, across the entire fan base, should be kind of held in, not reverence, but should be held in, in very high esteem. And yet, and yet, many of the people who responded to that tweet said, why is it if and not when? There are people right now, and a large number of the people who replied, which obviously is a subset of a subset of a subset, but they, they think that Fedotov is going to win the starting job, okay? I don't actually, I, I don't know. I don't have feelings, okay? I didn't watch the KHL this year. Okay, so I don't have an opinion on Fedotov. Okay, I'll watch Fedotov when he comes into camp. Okay, we'll have a better idea of what he is. And when he gets some time in the NHL next year as the backup, we'll get an idea. And it would be really funny if Fedotov is like a lights out backup goalie, and then we really do get to have a goalie controversy. That would be hilarious and also scary. Good if Hart is good, horrible if Hart struggles out of the gate and Fedotov is lights out. Then we're going to have ourselves one hell of a conversation in the fall. But Fedotov is good, and Fedotov, in theory, could be a guy who pushes Hart at least a little bit, right? Like, it's not a pushover. This isn't like some journeyman goalie that you found on the scrap heap. It could be good, conceptually, to have somebody that can push your starter, right? I I do agree. I do agree with that. I do think that, unlike martin jones this year who knew he was going to be the backup unlike brian elliott the last couple years who knew he was going to be carter hart's backup Uh, ivan fedotov comes in again he knows he's carter hart's backup but Mm -hmm. it's first year in the league he wants to establish himself he wants to make a name for himself so in that regard he feels like all right i'm just coming into this league at some point it's going to be i'm going to be the man and i got to start showing it now and that pushes carter hart a little bit and Mm -hmm. i think that's good that's a that's a that's a definite good thing to have happen. Um, I, I never quite understood, and this was you know we remember last year I said the same thing. I I didn't quite understand spending money on a backup goalie who was not very good to begin with. In Martin Jones, you weren't the only one, right? I mean, it's not it was like the one move of Chuck's that I just didn't like at all. Um, I would have rather have had, if you're going to do that, I would have rather they had Holtby. Um, but my preference was you have a, these young goalies in tow 
And you know, last year you know you had um, Sandstrom and 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 Ustamenko. Now they all their goalies had a bunch of injuries last year too. I mean, they were in and out of the lineup in the AHL. It was it was nuts. It was insanity down there too. But um, nevertheless, I would have rather you go on that route, the backup goalie. And if it didn't work, then go find a veteran, mm-hmm. trade for a veteran that's playing in the AHL or whatever, you know, and, and bring them in and let them finish out the season or whatever the case might be. But you don't. You know, you should have seen what you should have looked to see what you had there, um, and they didn't. And uh, not to say that you know, in, in retrospect, now when you look at it, you know, Sandstrom is just a he's just a guy. Um, he played a couple games for them, looked okay, and there's nothing like he looked bad, but he's just a guy, and, and he's not going to stick here. He's going to my my feeling is is he's going back to play over over in Europe next year. Ooh. I don't think you'll see Felix Sandstrom sign with the Flyers or with any other team in the NHL. Um, Ustamenko had too many injuries this year, way too many injuries this year, barely played. He's, if, if, if he comes back, he's got to get healthy, and that yeah. and, and that's the thing with him. And then the other kid that they like is Urson, but he's only you know twenty years old. He's not he's yeah. and he's only playing in Europe. He's not even close to coming over here. So Fedotov is the one that. You know, who's playing in the KHL, which is probably the second best league in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Played great, played really well at the Olympics against some good competition, really good competition. Um, the only question is is a matter of adjustment to the smaller rink, which, it, yes, angles are different, but you ask goalies who've you know done it, they'll tell you that it's easier to adjust down than it is to adjust out. Like it's harder for. North American goalies go over to Europe and play on the bigger rink than it is for European goalies to come over here and play on the smaller rink. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's a short adjustment period, and then he's going to say, all right, when I play, I'm going to show you that I belong in the lineup ahead of Carter Hart. Now, I don't believe that he does yet, but we'll have to see. And if and if he plays that way, if he plays like his hair's on fire and, and, and you know, win, steals a game or two and – Really gets the juices flowing for the team, and it's up to it's going to be up to Carter to respond and and, and do things the right way, um, and keep it going. But that's a good, healthy competition to have in goal. I like it. I like where that where that spot is at right now with the Flyers, and I would not go get a veteran. I would keep. I would go with Fedotov and and uh, see what happens. There is a flip side to this. Um, there, isn't there always there 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 have been concerns in the past, not speculation informed information there have been questions in the past about carter hart's ability to mentally bounce back and his ability and willingness to be challenged and so there is a scenario and i'm not saying that it's the likely scenario okay i'm not saying this is like the flyers having a higher than than a not chance of moving back in the draft kind of chance but i'm merely suggesting that there is a chance that if it goes into a, you know, quote-unquote open competition, if Barry Trotz gets brought in and says publicly, this will be an open competition for every spot on this roster, and when inevitably Mike Sealski comes in and says, well, does that mean the goalie as well? And Barry Trotz goes, every spot on this team is an open competition. There is a chance that through the preseason and through camp, Fedotov really impresses and Hart doesn't. And there is a question and a concern about, does Trotz really roll out the kid who's never played in the league before? Or does he put Hart out there? And if Hart struggles, does this go well? Does it go poorly? 
I think you can make that case for just about any spot on the roster, though, right? Like, if you have somebody who comes in with, like, some kind of, um, you know, decently held standing uh, across the league or has been drafted high and there is somebody else who could theoretically compete for their job, players, you know, typically can either raise their game or they can freak out and they can crater, and then you have some issues. That has happened in this city quite a bit the last five or six years. It has happened here. Uh, in the last couple of years, it could create a little bit of a situation. Hopefully it doesn't. You would hope that if you if you think that you've identified the kid who's supposed to be your franchise netminder going forward, that he would welcome the competition and that he will raise his game and that Fedotov will subsequently raise his game as well and it won't be an issue. But there is the human element to this and there have been questions in the past about does Hart really want to get challenged in that way? We shall see. I'm not, and by the way, I'm not saying that Carter Hart is Carson Wentz because that's the next place that people will try to draw a comparison. Not saying that. But maybe. <laughs> uh, look, look, I will say this. Go ahead. I don't think they would be making this move if they were if they didn't want to challenge Carter a little bit to see how he responds. Like if they wanted to, if they wanted to just continue to Ben Simmons, Carter Hart, mm-hmm. like the Sixers did with Ben Simmons as a mm-hmm. comparison, mm-hmm. if they want to continue to do that, they would go out and get some mediocre veteran guy for like no money to come in and who knows he's going to be the backup and play 20 games. And that's it. Yep. By, by giving it to a, prospects who had a really good year last year that's kind of saying a little bit something more that's kind of saying eh, Carter you're up buddy it's your turn to take that next step like yeah, you, nice nice bounce back mm-hmm. we're glad you didn't completely melt down and we lost and we lost you forever nice yep. comeback but you're gonna have to be a big part of turning this around from here beyond what you did already Mm-hmm. And if that's not good enough, hey, we got a guy. By the way, if he, if he were to crumble, if if he were like just to mentally break down, like he couldn't handle this, you don't want that guy to be your goaltender. Yeah. You don't. That's the truth. Yeah. Now, the the weird thing that I've seen people put out that I do not under any circumstances understand, I do not condone, I do not support, is this notion that Fedotov comes in in camp and looks like a freaking stud. Right, like lights out number one. And that you go, you know what we could do? We don't have a lot of assets, but we could trade Carter Hart and get a massive haul back. I don't understand that line of thinking at no. all. No, not at all. I do not see that. I do not see a scenario where that works out. The only way that that could conceivably happen is if Fedotov really does like win the job, Hart's barely playing, and he pitches a fit, which I don't think will happen. But the, the notion that, like, hey, Fedotov comes in, looks like Shesterkin, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, we can, we can just bail. We can just bail on Carter Hart. I don't see it. Are you trying to get on the camera? Now he's going to be on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Crossing Broad. All right. And I think we've uh, touched on all the major things. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers? No, did I, we, think we're, I think we're Did good we for, miss anything? No, I think we're good for right now. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. I'm sure. Okay. 
Okay. I did. You know what I did do? I'll say this. What did you do? What did you do? I did a nice thing. I did a guest bartending appearance for Snyder Hockey. Um, out at uh, uh, out at the Great American Pub in Wayne. Um, mm-hmm. They were raising money uh, out there with some of the alumni. Flyers alumni were out there. Um, some other media members were there. Uh, it was me, Glenn Macnow, Sam Carcitti, Al Morganti were the media guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Lou Nolan was was present, um, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, some of the alums like Bernie and uh, Joe Watson and um, uh, Terry Karkner, uh, Eddie Hospitar, Boxcar Hospitar. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was nice. Uh, it was a nice event, um, and I did some guest bartending. And I got to be honest with you, no knock on any of my media colleagues or any of the Flyers alumni, but they paled in comparison to me behind the bar. Wow. Neil Little was wow. the other the other guy behind the bar, so he did some bar work. Um, but uh, the, uh, the 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 bartenders there were kind of impressed. They're like, "You've wow. done this, you've done this before, haven't you?" I'm like, "Yeah, I may have." <laughs> so. I never read one-star reviews on the show, but I feel like this one-star review actually was right, given the fact that you just gave yourself two, three, ten pats on the back. Yeah. There's a one-star review we got a few weeks ago from Sean Couturier's Tooth Gap. I don't think it's actually Sean Couturier. I think it's just somebody who's an idiot. Yeah. And they they left a one-star review saying that you and me and Bundy were idiots. And part of it, because I don't read the whole thing, part of it says... The whole podcast is a circle jerk of mediocre white men circle jerking each other. That's redundant, but whatever. Uh, for being masters of the universe. Now, I'm not saying this was a, a circle jerk, if you will. Uh, this was you. You were the circle. Uh, but you were just promoting <laughs> your, promoting your own bartending skills. You're like the human centipede or something. Uh, <laughs> but yourself. I don't know how that works. I did. There's an image. That the poor people who lasted to the end of the episode did not want in their head. I look forward to at least one or two of our followers on Twitter sending that picture over and getting kicked off of Twitter forever. You do not. Do sending, not. Sending a DM. Do not send that photo. And you know who I'm talking to. That person should DM it to you. Do not uh, send that photo. Boy, that's going to that's gonna be something to see. <laughs> that. Wow. Yep. This show went to hell in a handbasket real fast. So uh, anyway, follow Ant on Twitter at Ant Sanfilly. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Joy on Broad. Follow our dear co- our dear colleague Bundy at Cetarian Six. He'll be doing stuff pretty soon here with Ice Wars International, which is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's very exciting. We're excited for him. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. Uh, the guy's been glowing nonstop. So this this is going to be this is going to be good. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. We're also on Instagram, SnowTheGoalie. We're going to start doing some stuff, I think, with Instagram here over the summer. I think we're going Mm -hmm. to. Okay. And, uh, of course, every episode of the show now is over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Crossing Broad. There's a SnowTheGoalie playlist, so you can watch all of the episodes. You can also go back into some of the archived interviews that we've done in the past. Uh, Many of those people are no longer with the organization. They include uh, the likes of, what, we had Scott Gordon and... Uh, Aline Vigneault and Paul Holm- well, Holmgren's technically sort of around. Bob Clark's still, you know, kind of sort of around. Uh, we, we had Jordan Wheel years ago. I don't think his video is up. That's fine. Uh, Derek Broussard's no longer here. Uh, Matt Niskanen's no longer here. The, the Snow and the Billy curse might be real again, Ant. It might be. Farabee's still here, though. Farabee's still here. Farabee Konechny. Um, Sanheim. Sanheim. Sanheim has done the show. He was the original. Uh, 
He was the he's, original. He's uh, still here. Yeah, and uh, Scott Lawton. Still Lawton here. is still here. Okay, yeah, so you know what? Maybe here. maybe it's not the maybe it's not the full curse. We're okay. Yeah, we're, but you can go back and watch some of those archived episodes. You can go back into the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you find podcasts. You can find Snow the Goalie Flyers podcast. Go back in the archives. You can find all of the wonderful interviews that we've done over the years. Chuck Fletcher. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, still here. Still here. S- still here. Still here. Still here. All right, we'll be back next week with a new episode of Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, by the way, leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Five-star review. Five-star rating is great. We love that. We appreciate it. Five-star review. Um, tell us what you think of Ant. That, that can be your assignment. Make him smile. Or don't. I don't know. But leave a five-star review there. Thank you so much. We'll read it on the show. Hashtag blessed. Talk to you next week. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs>